you can remain standing. It's good to see you all on this beautiful Thanksgiving Sunday. Who says it rains all the time in November? Um, we have the best weather in the world, except when it's cold and dark. Um, but I'll get off that subject. Um, it's good to have you here. Let's read the scriptures. And as you know, our custom is when I say this is the word of the Lord, all of you say, thanks be to God. This is Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Howard. Hey, why don't you go ahead and grab a seat? It's really, really, really good to be with you this morning. Thanks, Connor. Um, my name's Adam. I'm one of the, the pastors here at Mosaic, and I've said it before, and it continues to be true. This is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Uh, yeah, we can, we can clap and celebrate for that. It's a unique and a special Sunday, the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Um, we get to do a few things. One, uh, we get to look forward to Advent. Um, Christmas is right around the corner. And next Sunday, we will begin our Advent series and our Advent teaching. And uh, you might have noticed even some of the, the decorations around that the team, our creative team, has done such a great job doing. Um, but this Sunday is leading into that. Uh, this Sunday is also a Sunday that we get to celebrate with people in our church family as they make the proclamation that Jesus is their Lord to us and to the world around us through baptism. Um, this is happening today. Um, some have come ready to be baptized. They, they've known this is happening and, and have prepared and have written something. But, but this invitation of baptism isn't only for them. It's for any and all of us who are ready to be baptized. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, then this is your time. We, we have everything you need. Um, off to the side over here on the table, we have towels, we have shirts, we have shorts. Um, and if at some point God decides this is the Sunday for you to be baptized, we're ready to take that step with you and to help. 
Uh, there'll be some direction for you uh, here in just a few minutes of how you can do that. Uh, but we get to celebrate in baptism today, and we also uh, get to do a unique kind of offering, uh, which is a food offering um, here towards the end of our gathering. Uh, we'll, we'll bring food that we have purchased uh, up to the front of the stage as an offering to God that will end up on the tables of our neighbors right here in our city. Uh, and it's a timely thing. Um, we know food scarcity and, and uh, the need for food doesn't take the holidays off. In fact, it's, it's a more critical time for those things. And so we, we get to participate in that today. Uh, but before we do all those things, here for just a few minutes, I want to open up scripture and look at this passage that Howard just read. Um, and before we do that, I actually want to take a moment just to pray for us. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that um, you've created us to be a people of celebration because that's your heart. Um, you've created us to be people who recognize you, your glory, and the beauty that you've created. Um, and that we get to respond in worship. We get to respond by opening your word and allowing our faith to grow and to mature. And so we thank you for this day and um, we love you in your name. Amen. So the last almost exactly 12 months, uh, we've been in a teaching series through the book of Luke. And uh, we'll, we'll pick that back up after Advent and then we'll continue into the book of Acts. The book of Luke and the book of Acts were written by a person and written to a person named Theophilus. And in the beginning of Luke, it says that the, the, the author of this book has collected all of the information about Jesus. They've researched, they've studied, they've done their due diligence, and they've collected the information about Jesus, and they want to present it to their friend Theophilus so that they can know who this Jesus is truly is. And today, as, as we are getting ready to pivot for a season out of the book of Luke into our Advent time, I want us to look at this passage in Colossians that Howard just read. It's one of these, these uh, kind of iconic places in scripture where, where we are, are, are given handles and a way of understanding who Jesus is. It's nine simple verses, and yet it contains so much. It's written by a, a person named Paul. Um, he is actually credited and uh, writes about this himself at the end of this. And it's written to a church in a city called Colossae who are discovering who Jesus is. And this passage that we read in Colossians is actually written as a poem. And it's, it's, it's written creatively and it's written to give access and further clarity of who Jesus is. The same Jesus that we've been learning about week after week, walking through the book of Luke this past year. The same Jesus whom we will be celebrating the arrival of in the weeks to come. So on this Sunday, as we are pivoting from, from the teaching in Luke into Advent, I want us to look at this poem and what it teaches us about this Jesus that we're celebrating. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, or you can follow along on the screen, let's start with uh, chapter 1, verse 15. And it says this, the Son, and you'll see that that's capitalized. It means it's a title. It's talking about Jesus. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. This first verse tells us something about this Jesus who we've been studying about for the last 52 weeks. It tells us that he is the image, the visible representation, the icon of the God 
of the universe. This Jesus, whom we've been listening to the teaching, we've seen the power and the demonstrations and the miracle. We've seen his character. We've seen how he interacts with people. This Jesus is the icon, the representation of the God of the universe. Another way to say it is, is everything you and I need to know about the God of all creation, this God's character, his posture towards us, his power, his kindness, his goodness, all of this is made known through the life of Jesus. This is why we look at him over and over. He is the icon, the representation of the God of the universe. We're about a, a week or two removed um, from our nation's uh, midterm elections. And I'm not wading into political waters on Thanksgiving Sunday. Don't worry. I would never. Uh, but part of what we did is vote for repre uh, representatives. There's a little over 400 that represent the people of this nation. And the idea of, of representative is that they come from a swath of land, a specific geographical region, and the people in that place, they vote this person to be their representation where, where law is formed and decisions are made. And, and this is the system that we have, and, and to greater or lesser degrees, it, it, it kind of works. Right? But, but we know that there's frailty in this representation process. There's a human element where, as representation, I am myself flawed. What I represent, I might not represent it fully to the extent because of my own misunderstanding, because of my own frailties, because of my own brokenness. Yet in this, in this scripture, we see the perfect life of Jesus put on display as representation of who the God of the universe is. Why does this matter so much? Why does it matter that we understand the God of the universe, that we understand his character, his thoughts and posture towards us? A.W. Tozer says, what comes to mind the ideas, the thoughts that come to mind, the emotions that come, that bubble up to the surface, what comes to mind when you and I think about God is the most important thing about us. It's the most important thing about us because what we think about God is where we get our identity. Our identity flows from how we understand who this God of the universe is and how we live our lives flows from our identity. N.T. Wright, he says it like this, the more we get to know and know about Jesus Christ, the more we will understand who the true God is and what he has done and who we are a result and how then we should live. What you and I think about God is critically important for how we negotiate the world around us and how we live. This is why, this is why week after week we look to Jesus who he is and how he lived and what he taught and how he relates to the world around him. It's teaching us who our God is. It's given us definition of God because if we don't get our definition of who God is and what God is from Jesus, then we'll get it from somewhere else. 
And so Colossians 1 begins in verse 15 by saying that the son, that Jesus, he is the representation of God. When he walked this earth, he was the representation of the invisible God. And then it continues in verse 16, speaking further about Jesus. It says, for in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones of power or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God, listen to these words, was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This man who we've studied about, who we've heard about, who we've listened to his stories, it says in this passage that the fullness of God his power and his presence was pleased to dwell, to make its home in Jesus. His power and his presence dwelling in Jesus. Now this is a, a theme throughout scripture from the very beginning in Genesis one to the end in Revelations. This idea of where God dwells where he makes his home, where people are recognizing and experiencing his presence, where he's making unique expressions of his presence. This idea comes up in scripture over and over. And for you and I, over the next several weeks, it's gonna be a theme of what we look at in the Advent season. I know this, this might not be kind of the classic Advent idea or the classic kind of Christmas. And, and certainly on Christmas Eve, we will embrace all of the, the, the jovial beauty of what Christmas is. And, and we'll have our candlelit gatherings at two and four o'clock on Christmas Eve. And, and, and I'm all about that. It's been Christmas at the Harvey House for almost three weeks now. We fully embraced it. Although we have our tree up, I'm pretty sure first in our neighborhood, but our neighbors across the street have their outside lights up before us. And I'm a little sad about that. We might have some work to do today, but we're going to embrace all that this season is. But I think it's timely for you and I to be looking at our lives and asking these questions. Are we aware of God's presence in our life? This fullness that dwelled in Jesus of, of God's presence and his power. Are, are, are we aware of this presence day by day? as we go through the mundane, as we go through the busyness, as we go through the highs of life and the desperate challenges, are we aware of this presence? Are we being formed and shaped by this presence that has come to us? This presence that God, through the cross and the grave, has extended to us, are we being shaped is it affecting the way that we think? Is it affecting the way that we see one another, that we see ourselves, and that we see the world around us? God's presence and how we engage God's presence, it matters. This Advent season, we want to heighten our attention onto God's presence in our lives. 
We're actually going to be, be looking um, in some ways at the whole of Scripture, going back to the beginning and, and some of the early expressions of God's presence and, of all things, a tent. The people of God, when, when they became his, his people, his representation on earth, he instructed them to erect and to build a tent for his dwelling. And then this tent becomes a temple. And then this temple becomes a manual becomes Jesus born fully with the presence and power of God in human form. Then this dwelling becomes his church. You and I, the temple of God's spirit. In this progression of tent, of temple, of of the incarnation of Jesus and his church, we see the presence of God drawing nearer and nearer to us, reshaping us healing us, giving us a hope, giving us future. And week after week, we want to walk in this progression in Advent leading up to celebrating the birth of Jesus. God's presence and our engagement with God's presence is critical in our lives. Here's here's just a list of a few things that happen as we engage in God's presence from Scripture. In Psalm 16, it says that in the presence of God, is fullness of joy and peace. That when we're fully engaged in the presence of God, the fruit of that is his joy and his peace bringing comfort into our lives. In Exodus 34, it says in the presence of God is where you and I find rest. Not just inactivity, not just reprieve, but true rest. It's where our souls are restored and in a crazy busy season, This is the kind of rest that we need. In Psalms 23, the presence of God guides us and leads us. In John 14, the presence of God sustains us. He carries us along and gives us what our souls are longing for, the sustenance that we truly need, which is him. And in John 1, the presence of God comes near us in the birth of Jesus. So as we look towards Advent this year, these questionings are res- this question is resonating in my heart, and I want to extend it to you. Are we aware? Are we being shaped and formed and healed and encouraged by the presence of God every day in our life as he has come near to us? Jesus is the visible image of this God, representing his presence representing his power, and Jesus has come with intention. Let's go back to verse 19 in Colossians 1. It says, for God was pleased to have his fullness, his presence and his power, everything that he is, to make its home, to dwell in Jesus, and through him to what? Reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the crux of the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, that in this power, in this presence, it wasn't withheld from us, but extended towards us. And it goes on in 21, says, once you and I, we were alienated, we were cut off from God and were enemies in our minds because of evil behavior. But now he has reconciled, he has made right us by Christ's physical body through death to present us holy in his sight without blemish, and freedom of accusation. 
If we continue in our faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed every, to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the good news of all of this story. From beginning of scripture to the end, God's presence is extended towards us with power to reconcile us to him to put us in right relationship, to give to us what we cannot give ourselves, which is his presence. So I have two invitations. And we're going to continue in our gathering into baptism and, and celebrate through our food offering. But the, the two invitations I have for us are simply this. One, God's desire, like we read about Jesus, what he's pleased to do, is to dwell and to make his home in you and I. This is made possible from what we just read by the power of Jesus through the work of the cross. That God can make his home in us. That Jesus can become the means of our salvation, becoming our savior, becoming our Lord. This is extended to you today. No matter where you've been, no matter what life has brought you, what you've brought life, this invitation is extended towards you today. To say to the God of the universe, by the power of your son, through the work of your son on the cross, I want you present in me. This is extended to you today. And if this is your decision, or if this is spurring in your heart, I'd implore you, come and find one of our pastors. We'll be at the side over here towards the end of this gathering. God wants to make his home, his dwelling in you. The second invitation is then, if that is true, if God has made his home in you, then you get to proclaim that to the world through something called baptism. Baptism is, is the immersion into water and the coming back out. And it represents aligning with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We do this because Jesus did it. We do this because Jesus has said, go forth into all the world, make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We do this so that we can proclaim to the world, I am a dwelling place. God's presence and his power is alive and it's active in me. And I'm here to proclaim that to the world. Those are two invitations before you today. To make God's dwelling your heart and to be baptized. If you've come today, and you didn't bring clothes to be baptized. I've already mentioned we've got those. We've got towels. We've got a tank of water. I checked it before the gathering. It's nice and toasty. If you're ready to be baptized today, I'm going to invite you in the next moments as we're singing a song, make your way over to this table. We're going to have a few leaders standing over here who are willing to help you, to answer questions, to give you directions, whether that's practical, whether that's theological, whatever you need. But don't let this moment go by without making the proclamation. If God has made his dwelling in your heart to make that proclamation to the world around us. Father, we, we glorify you today. God, it's, it's fascinating and humbling and mind-blowing to think that you are perfection. You are complete, pure love and light, and in you is no darkness. And yet, you choose to make your dwelling in us. It's amazing. It's a reminder and a testimony to the power of Jesus' blood spilt on the cross. 
that we can contain your presence and your power. So Father, we thank you for that. And we thank you for this expression of baptism that we get to, to celebrate, that we get to revel in the fact that you make your home in us. So Jesus, today we honor you, we thank you, we love you, in your name, amen. Let's continue to worship.